news or do you want the really, really good news? They're the two options I'm giving you this morning. There's no bad news. You know, in Jesus, there is no actual bad news. It's either good news or amazing, amazingly good news. And uh, I'm so glad to be able to share that with you this morning. Uh, who's, ever, who's ever written in their life uh, a list of rules to live by? Uh, I certainly have at various times in, in, in my life. Uh, you know, things like, you know, I will get out of bed when the alarm goes off. You know, or, you know, I will stick to my diet plan. Those sort of rules, you know, there's things that you, you plan to guide your life, boundaries you set for yourself, and, and we should do that. Who's ever done that? A few people. That's good. Those of you who have never, ever done that, does that mean you've never thought about how your life works? I mean, it's a good thing to do. Anyway, there are some people, uh, believe it or not, who've got a rule for everything that are, that are really very strong in this area, and that's it's kind of okay. Um, but it's amazing how widespread... The idea is that the Christian life, that knowing and following Jesus is all actually about rules. There are, there are a lot of people in, in society that actually think that. That if you ask them, maybe people have got no concept of God and never met Jesus personally, and you ask them what the Christian life is all about, and in their mind it's all about rules uh, and, and regulations and what you've got to do. So I'm asking this morning, why is that? Why do people think that in society? when it's actually not about that at all. Yeah, yeah, well, that, we're going to talk about that. We, we, I was. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Thank you. We're going to come back to that. But um, I'll tell you why people think that in our society is because we as believers haven't done a very good job of communicating the amazing news about Jesus, that following Jesus is not actually about rules. It's about a relationship with Him. It's about receiving His life and His power into our lives. And the second thing is that if you grew up in church like I did, um, you know, it was, it was very much a mixture of uh, the Old Testament of the Bible, the first part of the Bible, and the New Testament. And so we put those two things together, and that's kind of okay. But the Old Testament is God principally dealing with one nation of the world, which is the nation of Israel. And the New Testament is about God's revelation for all of us, uh, for what we all need to know. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning, about the change from the old to the new and why that matters, why that's important for us today. And I pray that we can get a hold of it today. It's like my computer has decided oh it is going to go let's talk about where these rules came from the origin of rules today and get a hold of this today so there was this guy called Abraham and uh, God spoke we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Israel here okay it's a bit of a, it's a focus a bit on Israel this morning Abraham Moses and then Jesus so there's a guy called Abraham and God was speaking to him Abraham had a revelation about God. And I like also, Haley, that you talked about this, about a revelation from God. Friends, we've got to get a revelation from God about what God is, what God is like and who God is. So Abraham, God spoke to him. He knew God. He had, a, he had an understanding of God in his heart. And God spoke to him and gave him this revelation and said, God said, I'm going to bless you. 
I am going to personally bless you. The Lord said to Abram, leave where you are, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you, make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. You're going to be a blessing to others. Now, something amazing about this, this amazing plan of uh, blessing that God spoke over Abraham, that's still in existence. It hasn't changed. It's never been rescinded. God's never, never changed the plan. God is still promising to bless Israel, not only that, but to bless us as well. And I, I like that. If we just go to the next slide, and see it says there that the promise to Abraham also applies to us because the Bible says that if you're a person of faith in Jesus, you are spiritually the children or the descendants of Abraham. So that promise of Ab God spoke to Abraham is still in force today. And I believe that you and I can be blessed because of that today. Here's the thing. Israel as a nation, so Abraham was like the founder of the nation of Israel. Israel is 0.11% of the world's population. Now, not 1%, 0.11% of the world's a tiny, tiny percentage of the world's population, right? You think about, and I was looking into this a little bit, um, God's blessing on Israel. Think about Nobel Prize winners, uh, the people that are given prizes for being the smartest, you know, the, the brightest people in the world. Since 1901, of all the, the almost a 1,000 Nobel Prize winners, 22% of them are of Jewish descent. Now, that's, that's almost a quarter of all Nobel Prize winners are of Jewish descent. Now, that's, that's 200 times the average. I don't know if, that's, if you get a hold of that. They're 200 times overrepresented in the Nobel Prize. That says that God's blessing is upon these people. And I want to tell you this morning, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm with them. I, I, want to, I want to be with them. They're being blessed. And you look at what's happening. If, you, if you're watching on TV screens at the moment and you're seeing what's happening over there, you might be throwing up your hands in horror. But I want you to know God's got a great plan for Israel and He's not abandoning them. And he is, His blessing is upon that nation as a whole. So God has blessed that nation. And as time went on, though, um, God promised to bless Abraham. And as time went on, things changed and over the next sort of 400 years. And I've rounded up these dates a little bit. Uh, the exact dates are available and they're obvious. But God's people uh, lost their revelation of God. Somehow or other, they lost their revelation of what God was like. And when a society or a culture loses its revelation of God, they start inventing things that invent their own gods, really. They ultimately uh, start living in ways that are self-destructive, which is what we're seeing in our culture and our society today. We, our, our nation is passing laws that are self-destructive, and that's a shame. That's a really sad thing to do. That's why we need Christian people in the world of politics. Um. But so God raised up another guy called Moses uh, under a very uh, extraordinary circumstances uh, in about 1500 BC. And Moses uh, was, was going to be a deliverer 
for God's people. And God gave him the law, which uh, is summarized in the Ten Commandments. So you've all heard of the Ten Commandments. Now, that's only a small part of God's law that's in the Old Testament of the Bible. But Moses brought this in. God gave it to him. God gave him the law, and it was incredible. It was really good. They were, the law was designed for, to guide people, to give boundaries for behavior, and give people some understanding of God. Things like, you know, don't have any other gods. God said, I'm the only God there is. Um, don't make any idols or don't make anything that even looks like a God. Don't set up anything in your life that will take the attention, take your, your affection and your attention away from the living God. There's all these kind of rules that are, that are in, the, in the Ten Commandments, and they were really good. And, of course, these rules or, or laws came with an upside and a downside. The upside was that they were actually really good. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, um, and I preached about the Ten Commandments, you know, uh, a lot of times in the past, uh, they were all the sort of things that, that a civil society would want to have would want to embrace you know don't kill anybody you know don't don't steal anything from people you know just look after your wife and don't look at anyone else's wife just you know all these sorts of things that are uh, the basis for uh, a civilized society you'd want that was all really good and in in psalm 19 verse 7 uh, king david wrote the law of the lord is perfect restoring the soul the testimony of the of the lord is sure making wise the simple. So these laws that God gave the nation of Israel were actually really good. There was nothing wrong with them at all. But King David also knew, he had a revelation of God's bigger plan, something that God was going to do in the future. And he also wrote in Psalm 51, he said, he was thinking about it, he said, God, you don't desire a sacrifice. Because they used to do animal sacrifices and they used to, God actually expected of the people that they would you know, bring a sacrifice to atone for their wrongdoing when they sinned. They did dumb things, you know. They had to make an animal sacrifice, like a sin offering. And, um, but David said, at, at a moment, Psalm 51, he wrote when he had fallen in sin himself. And he wrote this psalm. And he says, God, he was just broken before God and and, you know, and, you know, really weeping before God. He said, God, I would bring a sacrifice, but I know it's not what you really want. What you really want is a broken heart, a, re a repentant heart, a heart that is sorry before you. So David knew that there was something bigger and God had something better in mind. So here's the, down the downside of the rules of the laws is this. And I think we all know this intuitively this morning, that rules don't really change people's hearts. If you're a parent here this morning uh, or a, or, or a would-be parent, uh, you need to know this, that rules don't actually change people's heart. What changes people's heart is a revelation of how much they are loved by God. Now, you can think about a family. I don't know what sort of family you grew up in, but maybe you grew up in a, in a family where uh, it was very stringent kind of you know, everything was done by the book and it was really rigid. And that might have governed your behavior for a while while you were growing up. But the time's always going to come when you want to break out from that and do your own thing. Is that right? Some people are nodding. A few people are nodding. But I want to tell you what really brings security and, and uh, 
hope and blessing into people's lives or a child's life is knowing they are loved by their parents and knowing that there's a security in their home. And so that's what really changes you on the inside. And it's the same for us as followers of Jesus. So so then we're going to move on to what happened to the old system of rules and what is the new system that God wanted to bring in? What does that look like? So here's the thing. God's law existed for a long time, around about, uh, well, about 1,500 years. And then after that, Jesus came. When the time was right, God sent His Son, Jesus, the Bible says, into the world to be a sacrifice for our sin. He came to introduce God's new way because the old was gone. Let's read from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8. Uh, first, Christ, or Jesus, said, you, you did not, talking to His Father, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. These were all the things prescribed in the law. You didn't, God, you didn't want that, Father, you didn't want that, nor were you pleased with them. Now you might ask, why did God even do that? If he ultimately, Jesus ends up saying, it wasn't the thing. It's not that there was anything wrong with it, but we need to understand that God put the law and the rules in place to protect people and keep them basically on track until his promised deliverer would come, who is Jesus. Until God's better plan could be introduced through Jesus. It's important we understand that. And the law, what the law really did is it pointed out and it showed people how incapable they actually were of keeping it. That's the bottom line for the law. So then Jesus says, You weren't pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. And then Jesus says, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. Now, if there's anyone here, if you're a bit of a theologian, study of the word, and you ever wanted any proof that uh, Jesus is actually uh, about the the, uh, uh, deity of Christ, that Jesus is God himself, here's Jesus He's actually cancelling the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. Jesus cancelled the first covenant, it says. That's incredible. I saw that myself just yesterday looking at this. But I want to talk for a moment about that word cancels. The word cancels is, is, is pretty important there. And uh, it's, it's, from a, it's originally written in, in the Greek language. Uh, Aniro, a word in Greek. It's used 24 times in the New Testament this particular Greek word, and it's 22 out of the 24 times it's translated as, it's, it's a quite a violent, it's a violent word. You know, I hate to have to tell you this, but it's, it's, actually, it's actually translated mostly to kill, to murder, or execute. I want you to know that when Jesus canceled the old covenant, He didn't just take it away, He killed it off totally. I'm telling you this this morning, friends, because there are a lot of Christians who still think we should be living under the law. They might not tell you that, but they live as though they believe that. And I want you to know, friends, we've got to get a hold of a revelation from God of the new covenant reality that Jesus is your Savior and Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sin 
and his blood that was shed paid the ultimate price and, and paid all the price that was ever needed for your sin. We've got to get a hold of the fact that God's love for you, you know, doesn't depend on your good works or anything good that you can do. It's already been done for you. It's important we get that deeply into our heart this morning. So we have three things that are new. The old, Jesus said, the old has been done away with, gotten rid of, and the new has now come. Let's have a look at what's new. We've got a new covenant with God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 now. This is the new covenant I will make with my people. On that day, says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. You know, so I was reading this and I was thinking, okay, this is the new covenant that I'm going to make with them. Well, now we look, now you would expect to see, here's the detail of the covenant. If you do this, I'll do this and all this sort of thing. But God just says, "Here's, here's the new covenant. The covenant is, I'm going to write it on your minds and in your hearts. What doesn't really give you the detail, does it, of what you're looking for? But God says, then he says in verse 6, 17, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. It's like the most important part of this new covenant is God's wiping away the sins of his people and he's putting a new heart within them. That's the important thing we've got to get a hold of today, a new heart put within us. A new covenant, the Bible says. And then we have a new and living way. Let's go to verse 20 of the same chapter. By his death. Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Jewish temple, actually, where there was like uh, several different places, like a a big, uh, there was the outer court around the outside, and then there's the uh, inner sanctuary, you know, uh, separated from the most holy place by this huge, thick curtain some say it was like nine inches thick and when Jesus hung on the cross and gave his life for us the Bible tells us the curtain was torn from the top down here's the thing the temple was the center of Jewish life and identity it was the center of their whole cultural practice and identity But it also symbolized how difficult it was to approach God. The temple also showed people, was a continual reminder, that you can't really ever get really close to God. And this this verse tells us that there is a new and life-giving way right into the very presence of God. Since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting in Him. See, God wants you to come right into His presence and to know His presence. That's why we need to take time when we're worshipping Him, just to be in His presence. The third new thing that we've got is a new commandment. And in John chapter 13, Jesus said these amazing words, I'm now giving you. Now, He said this, by the way, uh, the day before he went to the cross, John chapter 13, is just before Jesus went to the cross. When this was implemented, the whole thing came into being when Jesus went to the cross. And so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. And friends, that supersedes, it encompasses all the other commandments. It's not just an add-on to all the other commandments 
It's a new commandment. It encompasses all the other ones. There's lots, lots more to say about that, which I can't get onto today. But, um, you know, it wasn't when, when Jesus gave this new commandment and implemented the new covenant with us, it wasn't just a revamped or a new model of the old, like a new, uh, just a, a new version of it, but it was a new concept altogether. You know, when, when cars replaced the horse and cart, when the first cars came along and, and replaced horses and carts, um, what really happened is that the engine uh, replaced the horse, but actually the cart never changed much. For those of you that know history and know what those old cars were really like, Jeff would be able to give us some explanation of this. Is that, is that right what I'm saying, Jeff? The first cars looked like a horse and cart. They just never had a horse. They had this little engine tucked underneath somewhere. But what I'm talking about here, friend, is not like that. The new covenant that God instituted, that Jesus brought into place, was like a horse and cart being replaced with an Airbus 350 or an Airbus 380 or something like that. It's such a massive change that there was no comparison to the old because God did Himself what humans and animal sacrifices could never do. He broke the power of sin. He broke its power altogether. And the devil might want to come and speak into your mind and tell you that you are bound to that thing or that behavior or that habit or that thinking or that idea or that you've got from the past or that fear that you might have. But God says, I've come to break the power of those things. His death on the cross. I love this thought that when Jesus died on the cross, that His death was like a lightning rod for the judgment of God. The judgment of God was poured out upon Him on the cross. The justice of God was fully satisfied completely and once for all time, the Bible tells us. And so the justice of God, it's important we understand this. It says that sin has got consequences. When we fail, you know, to keep God's laws, you know, that sin, that there are consequences for that and it must be paid for. But here's the, the amazing news. The best news you'll ever hear today is to know, friends, that it's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. It made me think about going through the drive through Now, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you or maybe you've been one of those people that you go through the, maybe it's, just getting a coffee or maybe it's getting McDonald's or whatever, the drive through And um, you say to the checkout, you pay for your own stuff and you say to the checkout person, I'm going to pay for the car behind me as well. Have you ever done that? I think I've done it once or twice. It's a great thing to do, by the way. You want to think about giving the people, you know, and having a generous heart. If you if you are concerned that you are, you know, you struggle with this issue of generosity, you struggle to really be, you know, maybe money's got a bit of a hold in your life. Why don't you try doing that? Maybe this week we might, you know, the pump one, two, three might have a few people come through doing that this week. Why don't you try that? Something you got to break break the hold that money has on you and alive sometimes. But anyway. I want to tell you that Jesus went through the drive-through on behalf on, before you, and He paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. Jesus has paid it for us, and that's incredible. So here's the thing: as we bring this to a close, what what's next? What what do we do now? What's next? What's next is we get to live in His love. 
secure in the knowledge that He accepts us because of Jesus. And maybe you've been thinking, maybe you've been thinking, uh, well, if the New Testament is all about what Jesus has done for me, how come when I keep reading the New Testament, I keep reading about there's, there's rules in the New Testament, right? There's, there's lists of rules there as well. Um, I'm going to give you an example of one in a minute. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 15 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and let the peace of, that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. So um, there's, there's an interesting thing about this, a perspective about this, that it says here, since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, do this. Now, that's the difference. That's radically different to anything you're going to read in the Old Testament. And it's why we say to new believers, if you're a new Christian, if you're just in the, giving your heart to Jesus right now, read the New Testament first and get a hold of what Jesus has done for you. Because it says, since God chose you to be the holy people He loves. See, when God says uh, in the New Testament, I want you to do this, this is how you live, it's not just so that you can be accepted by God. Do this because you've already been chosen by God. It's an outcome. The lists of rules in the New Testament are not like the Old Testament. They are lists of outcomes. They're because, because I've been chosen, you've been chosen to be a holy people He loves, then this is how you live. This is how you grow in your relationship with God. This is what you do to become strong in your faith. This is what you do to be able to exercise the spiritual authority that God wants to place in your life. Do that because you've been chosen by Him. See, you've already been chosen by Him. You're not keeping rules just so that God will accept you. You're keeping rules because, not even rules really, they're recommendations, but it's God knows what you need to do to grow strong in your faith to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. He's already chosen you. I wonder if we can, our creative team can come back right now. These things flow out of our relationship with God to help us take on more of His character and likeness. And here's the thing, it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of what He's done. Now I love that last, if we can go back to that last scripture that it says up there in verse 15, um, Colossians 3. It says, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. You know, what's, what's flowing from Jesus? Let, it, let, it, let that rule and reign in your hearts. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. So I want to ask this morning, friends, you know, have you, have you experienced His love for you? That's the question we need to ask. Have I really experienced how much God loves me? How much I'm loved by Him today? Or maybe you've been trying to keep the rules. Maybe you've been trying hard, struggling to, to live up to God's standard Oh God, I keep failing, I keep falling. And you never really reached out and said, God, I just need to know that you love me today. Maybe you've been trying and trying to please God and just now just trying to grasp that you are actually in Christ. And I want to tell you this morning, friends, God's already pleased with you because you belong to Him. You're His child. He's already pleased with you. Can we stand in God's presence this morning and I want to pray 
We can just close our eyes and just bow our heads this morning. Father, I thank you for each person gathered here today. And I pray today, Lord, that your peace, your shalom peace would rule and reign in our hearts this morning. Every one of us this morning here, that we will know and experience your peace today. Let your peace and grace just flow in every heart today. And friend, if you're struggling with some area of life, maybe to break through uh, from something that's been plaguing or you know, uh, troubling you for, for so long, if you want prayer this morning for something like that, I, I, want, I want to pray for you. Or there'll be people out here this morning that can pray with you. But the point is, friends, we've got to be able to experience and know God's love for us. That's what transforms your life. That's what transforms your heart. That's what lifts you into a new dimension of confidence in God. Enables you to live above those sins and those problems that keep coming back. Those things that keep coming back to you. We're going to sing this song through. The angels cry, holy. Let all of God's people cry, holy. You know, I, I, um, I, I just believe around the world today there's an increasing emphasis and the songs that are coming out, more and more songs coming out lately about the holiness of God. Because I believe God is bringing a new revelation of the holiness of God in people's hearts. And so as we sing this song through today, why don't you reach out to Him and say, God, I just thank you that you are holy, you are mighty, and I receive your holiness into my own heart.